The angel says, I am bringing you good noise of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't know if I've ever heard what I would call a good Christmas Eve sermon. I certainly haven't preached one, not once. No commentary, no anecdote, no perfectly delivered joke can hold a flame to the outrageously wonderful news of the Christmas story. This story is greater than any sermon, and yet I wonder, I wonder what you were thinking about as all those scriptures were read and all those songs were being sung. Perhaps, perhaps you've heard the Christmas story so many times before that it flew right over your heads. Maybe some of you are here and you think it's a mere fairy tale, far removed from the realities of life. Perhaps some of you were transported to Christmas's past when other people told you this story in other ways. Maybe some of you drifted off to dreamland, the boundaries of reality, where they become a little fuzzy. And then boom! Christmas. The angel shows up, shakes us up. The angel shows up in the gospel. The angel of the Lord is here with us tonight, downright shouting the good news. For you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Notice, the angel doesn't say, for us is born this child. The angel says, for you. For you, Savannah, this child is born. For you, Fred, you, Andy, you, Charlie, you, Clara, you, Tim, you, Caroline, you, Meredith, you, Rich, for you. For you, individually, this has taken place. It's so strange. Which is saying something, since the strange new world of the Bible was plenty strange before this angel showed up with glad tidings to tell. You see... The Christmas story is not meant for certain people in particular places. This news is for you. Regardless of who you are, whether or not you understand, or even if you believe it, whether you're on the naughty list or on the nice list this year, there are no qualifications for who should receive this news. Because it's good news and it's for you. But what exactly is this good news? That's what gospel means. It means good news. It's glad tidings, not sad tidings. The good news is Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. All the other trimmings and trappings, the traditions, they serve only to point to the one who arrives for you. And yet if we were pushed to explain what the reason for the season is, we're almost just as well inclined to say, well, the reason for the season is about the joy of giving. The joy of giving. Indeed, Jesus does say that it is better to give than to receive. It is true that our brains release more endorphins when we do something for someone else rather than when someone does something for us. Think about that tomorrow morning. When you open a present, it might feel nice. It doesn't come close to how you feel when someone opens a present you've given for them. And yet, Christmas, at least according to the strange new world of the Bible, isn't about what we're supposed to do for others. Christmas is about what God does for you. I think many of us love Christmas because we believe, whether or not it's true, that Christmas, as I said earlier, brings out the best in us. Christmas has the power to reform even the scroogiest in our midst. Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol has probably done more to form our notions about this night than Luke's story from the manger. 
Luke gives all the agency to God. It's all about what God does. Reminds us through shepherd and song that Christmas is about God's gift to us. Whereas Dickens tells us our gift is about what we can do for other people. But that betrays the necessity of the incarnation. God does not take on our flesh to help us see that if we just behave a little bit more and pray a little bit harder that we'll finally fix all that's wrong with us. No. God takes on our flesh to save us full stop. In the Gospels, they go to great lengths through various stories to demonstrate that we really can't help ourselves. That we are utterly dependent on the God who comes to us. I don't know about you, but for me, the great joy of Christmas is that we do nothing to make it happen. Christmas happens to us. If you heard in the scriptures I was reading, or even in the songs we are singing, these biblical characters we read about, they do almost nothing to make Christmas happen. They are so wildly passive in the story. They are recipients of God's grace that's made manifest in the manger. The only thing they do is open up their hands to receive the gift. See, that's often the way that God actually loves us. Not with a, a drill master attitude of begging us to see our potential. If only we'd work a little bit harder. God actually shows up with all sorts of strange gifts. Gifts we did not know we needed. Gifts that might transform us into people we don't really want to be. Christmas is about the great gift that is given to you. And that gift has a name. It's Jesus. The angel addresses us individually, personally, with this gift of the one who's born. But at the same time, this angel's proclamation, it ties all of us together, like those wandering shepherds in the field, all of a sudden we become a group, a family. We've received a gift together. When they receive it, no one is first and no one is last. They're in communion with each other, the great fellowship that transcends all things. Christmas creates a new community we call church. At any given time and place, we have no idea what the church will look like, except we know it will be filled with people that we would not have chosen on our own, but people that are chosen because Jesus picks them. Put another way, through the gift of Jesus Christ, God has also given us each other. Now, if you just look around for a moment, I've got the best view in the house. I can see everybody, with the exception of the choir. Hi, choir. If you look around, you might not know it or even believe it, but God chose you to be here with all of these people tonight. These are the people God has decided that you need to be with for Christmas. It's men and women, old and young, conservative and liberal, gay and straight, courageous and cowardly, stupid and smart, hideous and handsome, saints and sinners, I can go on. All sorts of people who are only here because of Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is our only hope. And Jesus is the reason for the season. Now there's this thing we do every Christmas without fail. We end worship with the singing of Silent Night. We take a candle from the Christ candle and we, we spread the flame Throughout the church, and we, we join together in this, this hymn. My, my earliest memories, truly, are of standing in a pew on Christmas Eve, holding up a candle that didn't have one of these nice little plastic, you know, wax catchers, and just watching the wax fall onto the floor as I was singing Silent Night. I have done that every year of my life, without fail, without missing a beat, except for two years. 
when most of us couldn't be with anybody on Christmas because of the pandemic. Now, last year was my first Christmas Eve here at Raleigh Court, and uh, I was excited. I was you know, looking forward to being together with everyone on Christmas, and we, we all got together for our Christmas pageant, our 8 o'clock Christmas Eve service, and there's, there's all these things that happen in worship, all these movements. You've got to make sure you're reading the right scriptures and you're singing the right songs and all that sort of stuff. And when we got to the moment of Silent Night, I took my little candle and went over to that Christ candle, and I walked down the steps, and I don't even know who it was, but they were sitting in that front pew. I took my flame and I looked at them and I said, this is the light of Christ. And when I looked at their eyes, they were crying. Like those big, wet tears streaming down their face. And it hit me. It hit me in a way that I don't think it ever had before. That it's all real. Everything we sing about, all the scriptures we read, that light, it really does shine in the darkness. And the darkness can't do anything about it. Sometimes we think God is far removed, somewhere far away, a long time ago, in a Galilee far, far away, all that kind of stuff. But God is as close to you as the bread in the cup at this table. God is as close to you as the flame that we will spread throughout this sanctuary in a few minutes. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't do anything about it, because God has come for you. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.